As a thankful recipient of many, many skincare products over the years, I've learned to discern what is naturally actually activating my skin to rebalance and recalibrate on its own. That's what your skin is meant to be doing, and it keeps getting disrupted by all these choices that we make. So, when the founder and creator of Herbal Face Food reached out to me, I was all ears. I didn't know why at first. It turns out that Herbal Face Food is the most potent antioxidant skincare line on the market today, period. The raw plant ingredients in each of their products are never processed, never manipulated with synthetics or emulsifiers. These anti-aging botanicals are combined with the most precious plant concentrates, and they have changed my skin. Here's how. I'm going to talk about two of the products, the Herbal Face Food Serums and the Cream. The serums contain powerful phytoenzymes and antioxidants. These are activated and infused into your tissues. They hydrate and increase the resiliency of your skin, and they feel like they're plumping up your face. I use Serum 1 daily. I use Serum 2 when I'm tired and I need extra firming for my skin. And I use the X, which is also known as the Cure, for a small patch of rosacea that flares up every now and again, which you cannot see because of these products. When you feed your skin with herbal face food, you will feel real live ingredients at work. An activating flush, an invigorating tingle, some warmth, all of these are evidence of your skin healing at the cellular level and years of damage reversing. The cream is the most potent moisturizer I've ever tried, and I've tried them all. I live in the high desert. This cream contains 102 of the world's most powerful anti-aging botanicals and is also the world's first and only edible SPF <laughs> with a protection rating of SPF 50+. Plus. And this is accomplished 100% by plant power. And you can expect intense hydration, soothing for your tired skin. You can expect to see inflammation calmed and rebuilding of elasticity so your complexion looks and feels more smooth, and more radiant. Herbal face food is not plant-based. It's plant-powered. It has the highest rating on the ORAC anti-aging scale. ORAC means oxygen radical absorbance capacity. I never knew what that meant before. Highest, over 30 million on that scale. By contrast, vitamin C in skincare rates under 100,000. Herbal face food is using all post-consumer recycled materials and packaging. They use glass and aluminum, which is super easy to recycle as well. The products and packaging are 99% free of plastics. They contain no ingredients that involve the destruction or harm of any plant, animal, or marine life. These are 100% plants only, these products. These active concentrates are coming from the seeds, the fruits, the leaves, or the flowers of the plants only. These products have been a complete revolution for me. I know that you will love the way your skin looks and feels after using it even for just a day or two. And the best part is that Herbal Face Food has offered us, you, my community, a code to receive 20% off forever, ever. The code is capital E-L-E-N-A 20. Once again, that's my name in all caps, ELENA2020. The site is herbalfacefood.com. The code is all caps ELENA20. It's not just your first purchase, it's any purchase. You will love these products, and I am so grateful 
herbal face food for the change that you have made in my life. Thank you. Welcome to the Practice You podcast. My name is Elena Brower. Let's dive into today's conversation regarding life's myriad transitions and how we refine our responses in our relationships, our wellness, our households, our work, and in our practices. You are invited to learn and love and listen with me. Welcome to Practice You. Welcome back to the podcast. I have with me today a father-son duo, a very special story and one that I think will be inspiring to you and possibly to those you love. Stephen Fisher, father, LPC, master's degree in counseling in 1992, over 25 years of experience with individual family and group counseling with families, uh, parents, adolescents, children. He also has training and experience in Montessori secondary education, which I find very interesting and I need to ask you about. Um, You've spent the last 25 years helping people and groups to transform relationships and lives. Um, And you're bringing a depth of understanding of human communication and human behavior. I am super excited to mine this depth of understanding. Matthew is your son. Matthew, you are incredibly passionate about helping others heal and connect. You are a lover of the outdoors. You have a deep passion for the well-being of others and the environment. You have a wide variety of experience working and volunteering in mental health and personal development, including being a wilderness therapy field guide. I've heard such tremendous things about this. A youth leader and a residential counselor at a drug and alcohol treatment center. You are also a certified yoga and meditation teacher. So the two of these beautiful gentlemen wrote a book my listener. It's called Light Shines Through the Broken Pieces, A Father and Son's Journey to Healing. And this book is a story of your shared journey to healing through substance abuse, depression, anger, and family conflict. And it offers lessons, this book, to all parents and teens who feel lost in the struggle of dealing with the intense challenges of the teen years. It is a story of redemption, growth, healing the emotional anguish that many families experience during that time and shares a message of hope, shows a path to maturity for struggling teens and for their parents. I want to first give the website so our listener can head over to the website as they wish. It is fishertransformation.com forward slash book. That's again, F-I-S-H-E-R transformation.com forward slash book. I would just go and have a peek while we're talking. Um, I want to welcome you both to the podcast and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us, Lena. Thank you for having us. Yeah, you bet. So I first want to start with the story. Where was the substance abuse happening what exactly occurred? How old were you, Matthew? What year was this? Give me kind of the details, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, kind of some context, um, just since I was, was really young, I really struggled with a lot of mood and anger issues. Um, and just was kind of physically abusive my brothers and um, punched my dad in the face when I was 13 and got arrested for fighting uh, in eighth grade. 
it was just all these really intense emotional and anger issues. And I was diagnosed with a mood disorder, depression, ADHD. And just around 13, I discovered, you know, drugs and alcohol was kind of this way for me to cope with all this anger because it was like, it was just internally really like ashamed of how I was treating people and it felt out of control. And I was just, I didn't want to be like that. And to a certain degree, it was kind of a mental health issue. And, and I was in therapy and I was um, taking medications, but I just found, you know, drugs and alcohol were kind of this way for me to chill out. I liked who I was better when I was high. And um, so, yeah, I mean. I just, what year were you born, if you don't mind? 1996. Mm, okay, got it. Yeah. So from there, you were 13, 14. How long did the sort of substance abuse last unchecked? I think just really seriously until about 18. And I kind of had this really big wake-up call, which is in the book, um, kind of this intense experience of taking uh, painkillers and LSD at a friend's house and just ending up alone, kind of wandering outside and it was February in Colorado, so there was like snow on the ground. And you know, I left the friend's house I was at and... Um, you know, I was just really high, no shoes, no jacket, just wandering around in the cold. It was kind of this moment that I just realized I needed help, and I called my parents, and they came and found me. And um, yeah, I was experiencing psychedelic-induced schizophrenia for a little bit, or psychosis, um, which yeah. thankfully went away, but that was pretty much out for like a month or two, couldn't work. I think part of the psychedelic experiences were really magnifying a lot of, you know, internal conflict and inner demons, if you will. And um, that was just a really big point of like, oh my gosh, like I just felt so much grief at the way I've been living and the impact I've had on people and just this intense loneliness and anxiety for how my life had been until that point. And, uh, you know, I think my parents are really, um, I'm really thankful and they kind of helped me maintain my sanity and, and get back on my feet. And, um, you know, since then I was just like, I can't keep living like this. And I um, started taking care of myself. I did a yoga teacher training. I did some traveling and I went to school for outdoor education. So it was like this huge turning point in my life. And you're in your 20s. You have the whole life ahead of you. I know. I'm turning 26 next month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or I guess this month. Yeah, I just we're in October. So my birthday is What day is your birthday? The 24th. Mm, my aunt's birthday is the same day. Dad... Let's chime in here for a second with you. So it looks like you trained your entire life <laughs> to be ready for this phone call that came in. Can you tell us, take us back to that day? Sure. So when Matthew called us, it was like one o'clock in the morning and we woke up and he was at some place on the other side of town, didn't know where it was. But he got in the car and he was guiding my wife on the phone while I was driving and he gave us some cross streets. We eventually found him. We showed up and he was just shivering in the car and it looked so pitiful. I just felt so heartbroken. And he looked over, he looked up at us. When he saw us, he, the relief on his face was just overwhelming. And then, you know, we got him and we hugged him and we got him in the car with me and my wife drove his car home. And he kept on saying to me, dad, all the love is gone. Where did it go? Oof. Where did it go? And I said, Matthew, it's right here. It never left. And even when I talk about that, I get emotional because, I mean, you kind of cut down to the core, the bottom line of what's going on. And that really is what it all comes down to is he was just so lost in his fears and his emotions and his anxiety and his stress that moment that it was, it was just so afraid. Yeah. And yeah. 
the message that I was sending to him and my wife was sending to him was that we, you, the love is right here. It's never left. And we're holding that space, not only through this one experience, but through many uh, of the stories in this book and the experiences that we went through. And Matthew was a teenager. The, the space we were constantly holding for him was that the love is right here. Yes, we're going to have some boundaries. Yes, we're going to have some limitations, but we're always going to love you. And we're always going to be looking for that connection with you. And we're never going to see you as anything less than a whole, complete and beautiful and perfect human being, even though I know there's a lot of emotional issues to deal with. Wow. Ooh, with a shaky voice and tears in my eyes, um, I'm really moved by this. And I want to thank you on behalf of any parent listening to this who may choose, instead of being angry at the evidence of irresponsibility and, you know, recklessness, let's say, on the part of your kid, who might actually hear this and turn to the kid and do something similar to what Liz and Stephen have done, which is to just assure the kid that despite the previous behaviors, even if they happen within the last few hours, there's a new start now. Always. And it's full of love. I'm so moved. And I'm so thankful to be here with you. Um, what I would love to know from that point, Stephen, Dad, how did you take all of your training and infuse what you knew and know into this situation to help Matthew get past all of the addiction and the fear and the, you know, sort of warping back into his true nature? Yeah. So as far as what I do as a therapist, the bottom line is that people are good, that we are all have that divine spark of goodness at our core. And what it is to be human is good and is love. And it's constantly keeping focus on that. And yes, you have to deal with the situations. You're really honest about the issues we're dealing with and have boundaries and limitations where needed, but not to do that from a place of anger or frustration, but from a place of love. Um, and that moment, all we felt was complete love for Matthew. I mean, the rest of that night, we got him home and he was, you know, still tripping pretty hard. And um, we fixed him a pallet at the foot of our bed. And I woke up a couple hours later because it was by 3, 3.30 in the morning and he was gone. And Liz and I were both like, oh my gosh, where did he go? And we looked around for him. We found him across the street in a park meditating under a tree. So we figured he was starting to have a little better experience at that point. And then we um, brought him home. And, and over the next month, he was just in a really, really dark place. And we were just really worried about him. And it took about a month for him to start to really pull out of that horrific place he was in. And after that, that's when I really noticed him start to really take his self-care practices and get his yoga training and, eat, and get his sleep and eat right and, and start to really be mindful of his thoughts and his anger. And you know, another thing I teach as a counselor is really being aware of your self-talk, being really aware of, of the things you're telling yourself in your head. I call them core fears. What are those basic fundamental self-esteem messages we're telling ourselves like we're worthless or we're not good enough or all those things that Matthew was deep into at that point and really learning to understand that self-talk, but you don't have to believe it. Like you don't have to believe everything you think just because you think something doesn't necessarily make it true. And really working with him, supporting him on really being mindful of his thoughts, being aware of them, not suppressing them, but not believing them either. And then his own self-care. And after that next month, I really started to see him 
emerge into a better place. And then he started taking his own choices and his own self-care really seriously. And he really stopped hanging out with people that were disempowering to him. Those old friends that he was hanging out with, he just couldn't do that anymore. And that was all came from him. We weren't telling him to do these things. This was the beauty of this whole situation is Matthew internalized it through that experience. He finally said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. And he chose a whole different path forward from there. And that made all the difference in the world for him. You know, I've heard some stories of folks who mixed drugs like that and it took them out for a month, you know, seemingly some sort of permanent damage. How worried were you about that being the case? We were worried, but I will say this is that the messages we'd always got with Matthew through all of our ups and downs was I think we had a really strong foundation in our family and he really had a strong foundation of the love and support. And he knew that assistance was there if he ever wanted it. And I felt pretty confident that the history of all of our of our family life together and who he was as a person would ultimately see him through. But I've seen that situation. So many people, so they would go into that and they would, you know, ultimately always be kind of anxious and depressed and maybe never come out of it. And I, yeah, during that month, I was scared. I was scared. But I also had this knowing that he would get through because I saw what he wanted and I saw the efforts he was making. And this is what I want to say to anybody is that if people really want to reach out for help and really make the efforts, I don't think there's any obstacles that can't be overcome if people have it, that desire and that drive within themselves to change. And also the willingness to really be honest and to take a look at their own character defects and their own trauma and to process through it, I think it's possible for anybody anywhere, but it comes with that choice that has to come from within them. Yeah. A friend of mine just wrote a book called Lighter, and there's a whole chapter in it about radical honesty. And I think that's what you're referencing, this sort of willingness to say, I am F-U-C-K-E-D right now. And these are the choices that I made that led me to this state, and I'm ready to turn the light around. Yep. Thank you, Element, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. We have been personally using Element for well over a year. Element is spelled L-M-N-T. Elemental electrolyte salts that have completely changed the game around my house. Every night before bed, James and I split a packet. Helps us sleep, helps us get good solid rest, and helps combat fatigue, muscle pain, fogginess, irritability even. Did you know that your cells need electrolytes for optimal function? And if you're struggling with any of those things, you might just be deficient in electrolytes. They facilitate hundreds of cellular functions in your body, including nerves, hormone regulation, nutrient absorption, fluid balance. Element contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No artificial anything in here, no sugar, no nothing. My favorite flavors, as I said, orange watermelon and the chocolate caramel in hot water is just incredible. Element comes in tiny single-serving packets you can carry with you wherever you go. They're great on planes as well. With my link, you get a free sample pack with any order so that you can try all the flavors. And that link is drinkelement.com forward slash Elena. The spelling is D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash Elena. Thank you. Thank you so much again, Element. Again, the link drinkelement.com forward slash 
Elena. Yep. So Matthew, if you're able to and willing to, I would love to hear a little bit more and, um, you know, as honestly as you can about your experience of that month. I think a lot of folks are going through some pretty dark times and I would love to hear your experience of that time. Yeah. So just kind of the month um, that I was recovering from that experience. Precisely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a family history of bipolar and schizophrenia and it was like, my system is just really sensitive to, to psychedelics too. And so it was, I was just like, I feel like I'm schizophrenic. Um, well, psychedelics you know, I, and painkillers, to be yeah, fair. Pain I, yeah, that is yeah. a crazy choice to combine those two. I'm not saying that you did a wrong thing. I'm just saying like, wow. Note to self, if you're listening, do not mix, please. Whoa. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, for instance, the day after I went into work, and I had to leave because it was just like all the sounds and all the people and just everything was just overwhelming. Um, so I had to leave work. And I like told my boss, uh, she was like, what's going on? I was like, yeah, I had a really bad acid trip. I was probably a little too honest. And I ended up leaving that job. But I don't think she like fired me for that, which was interesting. Um, but like I would try and walk my dog um, and I just couldn't make it around the block. I was just like curled up on this, the couch a lot. Healing and, your synapses, um, basically. Read. I was, you know, I'd like talk to my dad and just be like super nervous and super anxious. And I was just like, holy shit, like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Am I just going to be kind of incapacitated? But I started to feel a little better a couple weeks after. And I remember buying this book called Healing Depression for Life. I mean, that was really helpful. And, um, you know, I'd always been really into neuroscience and like Daniel Amen and and really just like curious about my own brain, but I just really started reading a lot and being like, just really thinking about how all these drugs had impacted my brain and um, just like my diets and, and health. And I started doing yoga. We had like a Gaiam subscription. So I was like doing Rani yoga on the TV and just really getting into that and meditating. And, um, and after a month I felt, you know, I could work again. Um, yeah, from there, I really just started taking self-care seriously. And um, yeah, I stopped hanging out with all the people in my life that were using. Um, I was pretty much sober from that point on. I had a few experiences kind of later in life, just drinking a little bit or a few more experiences with psychedelics. Um, that was really the moment I was like, I'm not keep living like this. Um, it was definitely very, it was very hard. I feel like, um, but I'm glad I went through it and I'm glad I had the support to really turn that into and kind of a transformative healing um, process. Do you have any more questions on that? Yeah, I would also love to know if you are okay to share, what were the most healing choices that you made during that very dark four week or five week stretch of time? Um that you feel, and I'm going to ask your dad too, but what were the most healing choices that you made that you feel really moved the needle for you out of the, you know, in my mind, I'm seeing the visuals of you curled up in a ball on the couch, your dad and mom coming and going and just like praying their hardest that this would pass and doing and saying whatever they could to get you through it, giving you all the love and support. But what were the choices that you made that got you through it? Um, I feel like 
kind of accepting my parents' love and support. I think before that, we were fighting a lot. And about the all my teenage years, I just really felt like I couldn't trust anyone. Um, yeah, and I really just felt like um, this huge amount of faith in my parents and that relationship. And I think, you know, I just felt like a lot of care and love and support from them. So just really just opening that wall within myself. You know, it's like the if anyone's ever read the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, you know, he has that moment where his heart kind of breaks open or, it, you know, he's like his tiny heart grows three sizes. But I, I felt that a lot and, and just like a lot of these walls I'd had around myself, like kind of crumbled. And then I cut that um, a girl out of my life. Um, I just stopped um, hanging out with certain people. And um, yeah, I really, really just yoga, meditation, nutrition were huge for me. And I just really found this like excitement, this passion of being like, oh, like I can actually rebuild my brain. And, yes. and I, I don't have to be relying on substances or medications yes. to kind of keep, make myself feel sane. Mm. Um, neuroplasticity. Yeah, neuroplasticity, totally. And I started seeing a, a therapist again. It was a really good family friend. I'd been seeing him since I was a kid and we scheduled a few sessions. And um, so, yeah, therapy was huge. And then um, maybe like six months after, but I enrolled in a yoga teacher training. Um, it was just this really supportive environment. I was like the only guy with like all these older women. So it was kind of like, I felt like this little brother of the group, but uh, yeah, just, that's sweet. And then, you know, just kind of sort of learning a lot about um, yoga philosophy and meditation and, and Ayurveda nutrition. And, um, you know, I just really felt like a part of the community for the first time in a long time. And that was, that had a huge impact on me. Being accepted <laughs> by a room full of older women is never a bad thing. Wow. It's very sweet. I'm sure that this is exactly what needed to happen in order for you to be who you are right now in this present moment. Thank you for sharing all of that. Dad, um, how did mom, Liz, deal with all of this? Was she with you? I assume that you're still married and she's probably of the same ilk as you are, really conscious and conscientious. Yeah, yeah. She's actually a therapist with me here at our practice. She's Oh, send her my love. I wish I could meet her too. I will. I will. And a happy new year. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think the last couple of questions are upon us um, with a lot of gratitude in my heart for both of you. I think for our listener, I would just love to point out that this is a really good episode to share with families who are having a really hard time. Uh, especially families with teens, especially teens who are dealing with some sort of excessive substance use or abuse and struggling to communicate within the family. I would love to know from you, Stephen, what do you focus on in families who come to you with similar situations, not necessarily the sort of, you know, frostbitten teenager uh, tripping out in the cold, but they come to you with situations where everyone is fighting and nobody can get along and the communication is just stilted. What do you do about that? Right. So first off, if the parents are able to own their emotional issues that contribute to the family dynamics and the family breakdowns, then that's really, really helpful. If the parents can own their part, then it's really possible to get the teenagers to own that young adults to own their part. If the parents can't do it, it is almost, it's very difficult, if not impossible to get the kids to own their part if the parents won't own theirs. And 
how to be um, really lovingly engaged and have healthy parenting practice where you have healthy boundaries. On one hand, having healthy boundaries is important, but then doing those boundaries with love and acceptance rather than criticism and condemnation is also just as important and critical. And if parents can do that, can have both of those things, then it's actually really possible to open a very loving dialogue with parents and kids that actually makes a difference. Without that, families are dead in the water. So we focus on those kind of dynamics. The adults own their stuff, the kids own their part, and looking at the family dynamics, looking at things like triangulation and other issues in family communication. And once we have that kind of um, safe dialogue, that's emotionally safe where people aren't criticizing each other because the problem's not the parents and the problem's not the kids. The problem is the blame game or how we communicate in a blaming and critical manner. If we can get through that, then anything else that can be resolved, if we can get the process healthy, then the product is going to be just fine. And so those are the kind of things I focus on in therapy. Mm, Thank you for that. I would like to put the highlighter pen for myself and for our listener on the love and acceptance. I have a 16-year-old. And there have been many times where I really did not, in my cognitive brain, did not want to accept what was being said to me or done in my house. And instead of, you know, coming down hard and just being this sort of tyrant, I offered love and acceptance and lowered my voice instead of raising it. And, you know, this also comes with age. So if you're listening to this, our listener, and you're in your 30s or your 40s, like, promise You will turn 50 if God is willing to let you do that, and you will soften. You will mellow out. Things do change in our chemistry as we get older. But I found, to your point, that love and acceptance have created within my household a really sweet resonance between us. Mm -hmm. You can't really shake it. Even when I don't agree with his choices, we're still cool. You but know. to do that, we have to be aware of our own emotional baggage and our own issues Correct. to be able to do that and take some ownership of the issues that we have. Because it's not just the kids that have issues, parents do too. And once that happens, then the family healing is it's just a matter of time. So one of my last questions, I find that it's really hard for, let's say a parent is listening to this right now, it's really hard for them to figure out like, so what does that actually look like? And I would love to know if you have any stories of nameless clients who have overcome their modern variety of anger to get in good stead with their kids by accepting their role in what has been difficult between the parent and the kid. You know, can, do you have any examples of that? I would love to offer that to our listener. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I have lots of examples of... Um as a therapist over many years, I've, I've seen really amazing things happen in families. And there's a, um, one kid who parents wanted him to go to wilderness therapy to, because it was so bad and out of control and you didn't want to go. And I even brought um, Matthew into one session because he had actually been a wilderness therapy guide and we, and he was actually great. He talked about the process of wilderness therapy and this person didn't actually go, but they did go in the counseling process together. And over time, um, that kid who was using a lot of drugs and had a lot of anger and was really um, pretty off the rails in terms of how he handled conflict really came much more um, thoughtful and is finishing up his college degree. And he and his parents are doing 
a lot better, even though the parents aren't together anymore. They're, the parents are communicating really well. And that was probably one of the biggest pieces is have the parents communicate well. Because at that point, the parents were not in communication with each other. And getting the parents to start talking again and then getting the, the, the kid from college engaged in a healthy dialogue with his parents was huge. It actually made all the difference in the world. So beautiful. Those are the kinds of stories we need to be telling. Um, yours is the kind of story we need to be telling where it's very clear that, you know, this was pretty much the hardest thing you ever had to go through, you know, and uh, love and acceptance brought us out. Yeah. Wow. And it's loving and accepting, like Matthew's qualities. Matthew's always been a warrior. He was born a warrior. He's very assertive. He still is that way. But that quality that made him such a great thing about him now was difficult when he's a teenager because that gift of, of his assertiveness was turned in such a aggressive oppositional direction. But now it's actually helping to be an amazing adult. Like when he was, there's a story in the book when he was working at a rehab center and there's this guy who was coming off of meth and was threatening everybody to get his cigarettes back. And Matthew was able to really talk him down without defensiveness because He's developed that kind of strength of character through what he's gone through. He can be with those situations of people who are in these really difficult places without blinking an eye, really. And that's a quality I admire about him. So it's his giftedness of the same things that caused him to go so deep into the drugs. And that stuff is also what's a very healthy quality in his adult life now today. Yeah, that's clear. So what's interesting uh, finally, for my listener, typically when I have a guest on, I've read the book, I've combed through the book, I've underlined and dog-eared the book, and I don't have this book yet. I wanted to speak to this father and son because I knew the story was important. I'm now going to read the book, <laughs> and I'm going to come back with a part two with questions from the book, if I may. Do I have your permission to reach out again to do that? I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yeah, I have some other questions, I'm pretty sure, once I've read through the book entirely. The last thing I would like to offer to our listener is, Matthew, from your perspective, let's say a teen or a parent of a teen is listening to this and they are at their wit's end. What could you offer in terms of a brief note of solace or camaraderie to them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's when you're going through that, it's really hard to see um, that there's anything else or like their life will ever be different. But I, I mean, just so many people recover from substance abuse and so many teenagers make it out on the other side. So I think just reaching out to support groups, um, to finding a good therapist, and if it's necessary, a good program for your teen. Um, just knowing that there's so many resources out there and there's so many people that have made it through that. Um so I think, yeah, recovery is absolutely possible, um, healing from mental health issues and, and substance abuse. So knowing that it is possible and that, that things do get better. Um, I volunteer at a teen recovery group every week up in Boulder. And um, one girl was just like, I had a couple of friends who were also in recovery um, came with me and, and we were just kind of having an open discussion. And the girl who was in recovery, she's about 16. She asked, she's like, I just feel like my whole life is, is over. Like, I feel like there's something wrong with me and I, I don't know how I can make friends without substances and I, I want to stay sober, but uh, I just, I don't feel like I can have a social life and, and stay sober and, and I just don't know what to do. And uh, she's like, does it get any better? And we're like, yeah, like absolutely it gets better, you know? And it's like when you're a teen, it seems like 
that's all anyone is doing and it's impossible to connect with people otherwise. And really like there's this whole world out there and there's so many people who are sober and, and so many things to do to connect with people and you just kind of have to open your eyes beyond the world and the people in front of you, um, which can feel like a lot your entire world, but really there's so much out there. Thank you for that. It dawns on me that I should probably go and seek out some sort of teen recovery group and try and work with them, volunteer with them. Thank you for that inspiration. Stephen, you have the depth of experience and the wealth of understanding, um, 25 years plus. I would love to hear from you, particularly what you would say to a parent first about uh, how to manage their kind of hopelessness around the current situation. Yep. So the first thing you would say is that I know how much you love your kid, not because I know you personally yet, but because I know how I love my kids. I know how every parent feels about their kids. That's what it is to be a parent. And I know how much your kids love you, even though they may not be able to tell you that right now. And all those times when they were growing up and all those years, we have all that bond that the parents and children have. That's still there. And that love is still there. And it has never gone away. And that somehow finding your way back to that place of knowing of that love that's the foundation of everything else when you know that and you can experience that and feel that suddenly a way presents itself even if you don't see there is if you can find that experience of love for your kid and know that they love you and in that place something will open up but you have to keep your mind focused because it's so easy to get distracted by all the trauma all the substance abuse all the problems that are going on and just to know that those things the trauma and the problems and the poor choices we make do not ultimately define us. Who you are as a good person, who you are as a child of the divine, and there is something good in the depth of you and in your kid, and that will ultimately come out and see you guys through. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. This is part one of a two-part series, and I look forward to reading. The book is called, for our listener, Light shines through the broken pieces, a father and son's journey to healing. I'm going to read it, and I'm going to have these two magical ordinary humans back in uh, 2023. I want to thank you both so much for your time today, for sharing your story, for helping the myriad, numerous, and uh, probably numberless people whom you are helping through telling your story. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Elena. Thank you. See you again soon. Thank you, AG1, for sponsoring the Practice You podcast. My listener, you've been hearing me talk about AG1 for some time. I think I've been taking it daily for almost three years. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens in one scoop in the morning. The best way to start your day supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and 
longevity, the conversation of the moment. The taste is delicious. It's suitable whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. No nonsense in here at all. It's a multivitamin that your body will actually absorb. If you are wanting to make an investment in your health and longevity, AG1 costs you less than $3 a day, far less expensive, and definitely less time-consuming than many different supplements. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient, delicious daily nutrition. And since you listen to the Practice You podcast, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Elena. Once again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash E-L-E-N-A. Take ownership of your health, my listener. And thank you, Athletic Greens and AG1.